Hello. Hello. May the Force be with you. Mm, happy Star Wars month or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Life Day. Was that a thing? It's <laughs> sort of. Um, it's a when they did the the Star Wars holiday Christmas special, the much maligned with B. Arthur and and everybody. Oh, was that their the, their futuristic Christmas? Was Life Day? Yeah. Well, past Christmas. Remember? Right. Past futuristic. Yeah. We we keep we keep going over this long long time ago. <laughs> Galaxy far <laughs> far away. They mentioned it once uh, or twice. <laughs> it's uh, whatever. It's, uh-huh. it's the future. It's the, the future. It's the future of Star Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. But you got to go back to the future. So it's, a, mm-hmm. it's another important lesson we've learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, how how you been? <laughs> Fine. Uh, I saw the movie. You you saw the movie too, and now we're here. Yes, talking that- about it like literally everyone else in the entire world, right? That's that's basically how it goes. I mean, I'm still still waiting for my check from Bob Iger for that. Uh, so I don't know when that's coming. We'll see. We'll see about that, Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. I don't know about you, but I have purposely uh, avoided reading other people's opinions and listening to other people's podcasts, so I can uh, very organically and naturally fumble my way through this discussion with you. And not have any fully formed opinions going into this to try and figure out uh, what what uh, what what this whole thing was here. Oh well, this is a real gift of the Magi situation because I watched, uh, sorry, listened <laughs> to uh, a bunch of podcasts about the Force Awakens because I was worried that we were going to say exactly the same thing as everybody else. So you mean, I, you mean the Last Jedi, which is another thing everyone is doing, is because oh, they're calling it the Force Awakens. Yes, yes. Sorry, it, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. There's there's the in the title. It's it's there. Yeah. Yeah, the the is a very popular word. Even, yeah. even long ago in, in galaxies far, far away, the was frequently used. Yes, uh, but yeah, it, no. So for the Last Jedi, I listened to the incomparable uh, panel, um, and I listened to uh, the the Phil and Lisa ruin the movies episode, and I uh, went through a bunch of hot take think piece articles that have been published by various <laughs> sites. And read some of those. And, yeah, I saw you, yeah. you posted a few links to uh, to some hot takes that made its way to uh, a little a little blog I've never heard of called Change.org. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's one of those things where it's just like, if you're the person who was really invested in uh, the ability for the internet to change the way we live, it must, it must kind of depress you to see it basically just being used as someone's little soapbox for... Uh, their opinions about a multi-billion-dollar uh, uh, franchise uh, that exists opinions. in Hollywood. They, they're they're so mad about the movie that they demand that the movie be changed. Yeah, it's stricken, stricken from the canon, stricken from the record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it it is such a uh, a blasphemous entity, uh, which I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit, but. Uh, isn't it great how art is basically the same thing as a democratic government, and everyone gets a say on how it works? Yeah, it, what you want to do is you really want to be able to vote uh, on what you want to see. It's a choose-your-own-adventure uh, series of movies, basically. A uh, bunch of people said, you know, George Lucas, we want you to show us uh, a bunch of Jedi and clones and stuff, and and they did. Um, and uh, then everybody regretted that because, uh, you know, maybe maybe you don't get to pick. Maybe you should just buckle up. 
Buckle up, Buttercup. But uh, so you're saying that this this movie is as bad as the prequels, is what I think you just said, right? No, no. I, I was saying that when people, <laughs> uh, when people think they know what they want, like, oh, I want to see where Darth Vader came from. Sometimes that can turn out differently than what you might imagine. And sometimes when people think uh, they know what they want and they don't get it, then they're like, oh no, I, I really wish I had that thing that I wanted. And it's like maybe just like appreciate, just look through and and see what you you have here. That we were that you were uh, provided with here, because maybe there's something in it uh, that you are turning down just because it's not what you had anticipated. Um, so you know, there's that there's that element to it, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, another thing I did was I went back and I listened to uh, our episode that we did on the Force Awakens uh, <laughs> l- uh, two years ago, and uh, two I... years ago since the the movie. Yes, <laughs> it's been a this long time. Yeah, and so I was assessing uh, what, what we were basically talking about in that, and uh, how some of the things we said, oh, maybe they'll, they'll get around to this in the next movie. I was assessing how that turned out, and uh, for the most part, none of those things got around to at all. Um, did, did you create a list other than the uh, the, the one that you, you dumped into the Slack earlier? Do you have a whole list of things that we wanted to happen that didn't happen? Uh, well, mainly it was Snoke, but uh, yeah, the... Mm, so frustrating. Uh, the... the uh, there is, uh, unfortunately, a, a way of talking about this movie where you can say, oh, my expectations weren't fulfilled, like I was just criticizing. Like, they didn't do exactly what I wanted them to do. Uh, and then there's also the thing of, here's how we basically construct stories with characters, and uh, <laughs> you want to have motivations for your characters, and you want to make them three-dimensional. And uh, if you don't do that in, uh, what is it? It's basically four and a half hours worth of total movie that it's been released uh, for mm. The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Um, they they run right into one another basically, so uh, yeah, you've got four and a half hours, and I don't know why anyone is doing anything <laughs> in the first order camp. Well, there's, I mean, you've got uh, when when you say expectations, you've got like the uh, masturbatory fanboy kind of like this is what I need to happen in the Star Wars universe, and then you've got expectations, yeah, like you said, of just story. But uh, these movies, they're, they're, you know, I think it's it's very evident in this one. It, it was, it was I don't, I don't want to say heavy handed, but it wasn't like, it wasn't subtle the way they were talking about uh, trying to put the put the past behind them in more than one way. Uh, but these, these movies are doing a lot. And I, I, I know they're trying to strike a balance between saying, yes, we know we came after the original trilogy, technically in, in the chronology, but we need to be our own thing, so let's 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 close up a lot of those storylines from the previous ones while we start trying to tell a new one. Um, but this, you know, it, it seems like they might be getting a little bogged down in uh, closing threads from the original trilogy, uh, intermixed with trying to start their own. It, it seems like there might be a little bit more of the old threads, and, and you know, with with good reason right because like all of the main characters that are still motivating a lot of this stuff are from the original trilogy uh we don't have to say spoiler alert right because like this whole Uh, thing no well if anyone's listening at this point and they're like i wonder i wonder why they didn't say spoiler alert before they started talking about snoke um my feeling is if you are listening to this episode at all then you are prepared for our commentary on it uh because we've spelled that out ahead of time that that's what this episode is about and if you haven't seen it (laughs) go watch it first yeah, I, I get I get a little. I, I'm not going to hold your hand. Um, just just go watch the movie or don't watch the movie, and, but d- don't complain. Uh, yeah. A- anyway, what you so what, you, what what you want to say? Get to was uh, you know, 
they, they started to lead us down this path with the force awakens han dies and this one luke dies uh i presumably uh leia's gonna go away uh in in the very near future so like it seems like a lot of what the, this this trilogy that follows the original trilogy uh, chronologically has to do is it has to wipe the slate clean of everything that was in the original trilogy so it can begin to tell the next story which it's trying to do it's trying to pace itself doing it intermixed with all of these other things but i think the stuff that the, the the audience ends up focusing on is is stuff that it can get a handle on like trying to put pieces together like okay luke's over here and that came after this and yoda's over there and this is over there and like the pieces that we actually have a handle on are the ones that are tied to the original trilogy. So as you're trying to like throw those away or not throw them away, but kill them off or, you know, tie, you know, close those loops. Uh, the stuff we're left with is, is still very confusing. And uh, I don't know, it doesn't feel fully fleshed out yet. We're in the second movie out of the, this, this, you know, trilogy of, of a second, uh, the, well, this newest trilogy, whatever you call it. Yeah. I, and like I said, is I that think, a reasonable criticism? It's reasonable. Uh, they they are spending a lot of time um, gracefully letting go of the thing as gracefully as they think they are doing it. <laughs> they think they're doing it gracefully, uh, letting go of the things that uh, people loved about the original trilogy, saying goodbye to Han in the last movie, uh, and saying goodbye to Luke in this movie, and then uh, I'm assuming the plan was to say goodbye to Carrie Fisher at the end of the next movie, but unfortunately she passed away uh so they're probably going to say goodbye to her at some point either between the movies or off screen uh in that one i i have a question about that one in particular and this may be a little bit of a tangent i don't know if you're ready to get off on some tangents let's save our speculation about the next movie for no no it's not end. it's not about the next movie it's, okay. it's about this movie so going into this movie we we know that she in real life has passed away and that is i don't know about you but that that was coloring my the my my viewing of this movie a little bit to want to wonder what they were going to do with leia in this movie was that the same for you yeah because i i did not have any expectations about ex what exactly they were going to do um with yeah. her in this because right. i just didn't i didn't know um right i know so that then there there, oh, there had been interviews where uh ryan johnson had said that there are no plans to do a digital uh, Carrie Fisher uh, like they did for uh, Rogue One when they mm -hmm. had the younger Carrie Fisher uh, as Princess Leia uh, appear at the end of that film. Um, that cameo situation for uh, that purpose, that they, something they had decided to do before she had passed away and the movie had premiered before she passed away, um, seems would be basically just tasteless uh in in hindsight to try to do that now um and uh i don't think they they are even going to approach that uh as an option um for uh her going forwards and i didn't think that they would uh retroactively try to alter scenes in order to accommodate changes to uh have her disappear earlier in the film cuz naturally you, you you didn't think any any sort of editing modifications went into their thinking in this ver this movie uh e even even in spite of that like n no changes whatsoever you think if she was still alive the edit would be exactly the same as it is well uh i believe uh jason snell pointed out um in the other incomparable episode that something else that i had also noticed that uh uh 
some of the edits around the dialogue um, that she has, uh, it it might be a situation that they had the dialogue they wanted to use, but not the take they wanted to use. So you get an over the shoulder of the back of her head, but the dialogue, st- stuff like that. Um, so maybe they would have had her for ADR or something if it was a possibility. I don't know. But uh, I think this is how they wanted to tell this story. And I think they wanted to have her performance in its um, totality inside of the film. Because naturally, you could kill the character off um, at a very logical point in the storytelling process. There was a near-death experience for her. Uh, Yeah, and that's really what I'm circling around here. Because the way that near-death was portrayed on screen, uh, it really seemed like they were setting that up to be the death. And it was so early in the movie that I was kind of... Oh, I was offended. I'll, I was I'll say I was appalled. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was like, yeah. well, because they do that slow push in where they're doing that thing where they can, you know, uh, her and Kylo sort of like know that they're staring at each other from long distances because whatever force connection or something. And they have they have that slow sort of sad push in on her before she gets sucked out of uh, uh, into space. And you go, what the hell? And then she comes back in and you go, what the hell? Even more like why? Why? First of all if you're going to do that slow, sad push in and she gets sucked out of the airlock or whatever, as it explodes, like that sucks and that hurts or whatever, but like then to reverse it. And again, it's, it's so early in the movie. And if, you know, if she were still alive, maybe my, my viewing of this would be different. I'm sure it would, but uh, the way that happened so early in the movie and the way it was, you know, you know, it, it was presented and then subverted. It did not sit well with me watching that part. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, even though uh, she has her Mary Poppins recovery, uh, where she just uses a spoonful of the Force and uh, gets the the airlock uh, access, I didn't um, mind that in particular. But just I, the whole way it was laid out was weird. I I don't mind her having the power to do that. I thought the way they executed that scene is just bizarre because we spent so long with her just being out there in space unprotected. Um, and it then, was a little uh, matrixy. It was very strange. Uh, but she she comes back in, and then she's on her uh, she's on uh, medical life support. And then I spent a considerable amount of this movie wondering: uh, did, Are they just going to leave her on medical life support for forever and not kill her, or is she going to die as part of that? Or like, what 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 is uh, what is going to happen? And I found that distracting when I was watching it because, of course, I'm thinking Carrie Fisher, the actress has unfortunately passed and uh i don't know what the original plan for this film was uh so here she is and she's uh on life support she could have been on life support for the duration of the film um and then that would be all we ever got out of her Uh, especially because she was on life support on the ship that was going to be imminently destroyed by the first order so like again not to say that they need it, but there was there was a tidy ending there if they needed it to be there. But spoiler alert, uh, she's fine. She she wakes up. She's in a nice little terry cloth robe thing with like a headband, and then she shoots Poe. She's fine. Yeah, I, I like when she shoots him. Um, but uh, it wasn't until that point that I felt a little more at ease um, with the direction they were going with Carrie Fisher. And in hindsight, I understand why they did it because. They wanted to have this story arc for Poe about uh, his his uh, sort of rash judgment and uh, lack of uh, strategic planning and uh, understanding um, 
you know, who gets to live and who gets to die and like how, how you plan that out, um, to, to try and, uh, preserve as many of the people that work for you as possible, not just to score wins. Mm. Um, and, uh, unfortunately in order to do that, they wanted to remove princess Leia, who he was reporting to and insert someone else into the command structure, uh, someone that we wouldn't necessarily trust. Uh, and that way you could have him having conflict with that person, because if it had been a uh, conflict with Carrie Fisher as the leader, uh, then we would all be against everything Poe was doing because we would be on Carrie Fisher's side because she's Leia and uh, he's, he's just, you know, Oscar Isaac and sh- he's yeah. just showing up there to, to do that. Uh, but that's, uh, that's, that's why they did that. I think uh, in I rearranging like a, a, the leadership a better way to do that though. Oh, well, I mean... his, his whole storyline thing, his, his, you know, after school special about like, listen to people <laughs> like that. It makes that the construction of that whole thing makes me so angry because uh, yeah. it, it's all based on not people not having information and, uh, let's just get to the, the the main critique that I have. While I appreciate many of the thematic and, and philosophical things that the movie tries to do, uh, and I like certain instances, and there are beautiful scenes, and there are beautiful shots, and there are all you know there are very positive things to say. There is a lot of the construction of this film that feels haphazard uh, or or shoddy um, in a surprising way, considering the uh, degree of control that. Uh, Ryan Johnson had over the entire process since this is written by and directed by uh, Ryan Johnson with, of course, the help of the Lucasfilm story group and uh, some script doctoring for certain lines of dialogue from Carrie Fisher, apparently. Uh, But yeah, I I just found that somewhat disappointing that some of this seems so poorly considered uh, because you wound up with these multiple uh, storyline threads inside of this film uh, with multiple new characters in addition to the other characters who basically haven't been explained completely as full characters haven't been fleshed out entirely and uh you have them separated by some really sort of sloppy mechanics in terms of uh how the uh they're imperiled uh and need to divide up to do certain tasks uh, i and i found that really distracting when i was watching the film um, particularly uh, after the 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 first scene when we have uh, the resistance escape their former doomed base uh, and they uh, destroy that dreadnought uh, before they they jump out of there and they've sustained heavy losses because it really uh, took a lot to take down that dreadnought and uh, this woman we've never met before dies on one of the bombers uh, that puts us into what is basically a Battlestar Galactica plot, uh, where the Cylons <laughs> were able to track the Galactica through hyperspace. Um, and, and that's basically what you have here. Like, the Empire... I'm sorry, the First Order. It's so easy to call them by what they're supposed to be. Um, and they, they show up uh, with Snoke's uh, Star Destroyer, which looks like you took uh, Vader's Super Star Destroyer for, from... Uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back and you just squished it uh, and bent the wings a little. Uh, so it's kind of like a flying wing Yeah, it's like a, thing. Uh, a stealth bomber kind of look to it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, but um, they literally reuse the same color palette and everything. And it's just like, come on, guys. I know it's the second movie, but you don't have to like be like, we need another gray and blue ship again. Um, but, it's also uh, very, very large. Like, very large. Comically oversized. I, I still don't understand the ec- economics of the First Order at all. Um, but they have this enormous ship, and they have a couple other uh, regular, quote-unquote, uh, First Order Star Destroyers. And uh, presumably they would have had the dreadnought uh, had had they still had that. And they are following along the the capital ship. And they're like, oh, no, they could track us. And if they can track us here, then we can't make another jump. And we only have enough fuel for one more jump. So what are we going to do? Uh, well, we'll just keep going on sublight uh, just slightly faster than they can go at sublight. And they're not going to try to go around us or anything. And they'll just take pot shots at us for the rest of the film. Um but we're going to eventually run out of fuel in 18 hours. And mm. that sets up the dumbest ticking clock, which lasts for the entire second act of this film. Um, and I found it incredibly frustrating uh, to try and uh, feel like they were in any, in any actual peril from that. Uh, and especially after you know that uh, people can come and leave uh, the, the, the whole thing. It's like why 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 is that happening? Uh, why you guys have a, a ship that can jump to light speed and they're gonna they're gonna go to Casino Planet? We're gonna go to Monte Carlo and then we're gonna have a whole detour about something else entirely. Like that that while while I'm watching the film, I was angry at it for making that maneuver. Um, like I said, there's still lots of good stuff thematically, etc. Blah 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 blah. But in terms of c- construction of this film, that's just insanity. Uh, for why you would peel off and do that. And you have, of course, you still have Ray's entire plot that's going on in parallel to that. So now you have three different uh, threads involving the heroes. And you have another thread involving Kylo Ren, um, which is intersecting basically with Ray's thread. Uh, and that goes that way until the very end of the film when they all reunite on, on Mystery Planet, uh, Create, uh, which was part of the plan that Laura Dern didn't tell anybody. Uh, and then that that gets us all back together and eventually into the Falcon, the end. Um, and we, we have to have this whole thing of the, the rebellion has been sparked, etc. Again, thematic, interesting idea of like we, we have rekindled this for a new generation, but sloppy construction because then we return of the king, the ending, and we have the, the we're all together on the Falcon cut to uh, the kid from the stables who uh, is retelling some story about the, the, the battle. And he goes outside to sweep, uh, and he force summons the broom and looks up the stars, and he holds it like a lightsaber at the end. And it's like, okay, wait, hold on a minute. So the kid from the casino planet matters or doesn't matter? Or I don't know. There's just a lot of the construction stuff uh, that, that's supposed to be the glue holding this together, where mm-hmm. it feels such... Such an it feels like such an afterthought in terms of construction, and people are basically doing things that don't seem logical within the parameters of the film universe uh, that we've come to either know and expect or be currently watching. Um, so I, I I found that distracting whenever those things would would come up uh, during the process of of viewing it, and I don't know if that overall construction of the film bothered you as well, uh, with the extended middle part of the film being a slow motion car chase uh, that <laughs> ultimately didn't amount to much. Um, 
like what, what what were your feelings were you were you distracted by that when you were watching it or were you just like ah, i'm on the ride yay no i was distracted from the very first bomb run like well first of all um uh, of course there's a little bit of like silliness in all of these movies like they they try to throw a little bit of humor in there but um pose phone call joke thing with hux caught me really off guard and i i, I don't no, I I didn't like it when I was watching it, but I'm it's it's fine now in retrospect, because uh, Hux is kind of uh, a hilarious dolt. But um, and you know, he, for for the the stuff that really got to me was, and I hate I feel I feel like I'm such like a Reddit nerd saying this, but like spaceship physics, like I understand why he <laughs> he landed out of uh light speed there, and he had to sort of like recharge up to get his little, you know turbo boost up so he could fly around real fast and shoot off all the cannons but the incredibly slow speed with which those bombers were moving in because they like they dropped out of light speed like a quarter of a mile away from their target and then just like slowly inched their way over and all got shot and killed like i'm watching that going uh, is this supposed to be one of those things where they're close enough to a planet's atmosphere that it makes a difference to the way they fly around in space because they're so slow and heavy and stuff? Or why can't they just go fast and then do the thing that they got to do? Like this, this is this is arbitrary for the story's sake, and it's bothering me. And then, of course, yeah, well, they're they're so heavy with all those bombs, right? Because you know, <laughs> weight really matters in space. Like I feel like this is a thing that we don't need to we we can't. We can't just like pull the wool over people's eyes and just say like, oh, these spaceships are bigger and they're slower because like you've got first order ships and they're apparently slower than the rebellion ships, but they're also still faster than these bombers. Like, like there's no, there's no consistency and whether or not I need it spelled out in terms of like how fast certain things are, I really don't, but like it felt arbitrary and wrong. And that sort of thing really made it hard for me to, you know, cut them slack on some of these other things getting from a to b to c to d but like you know the the themes that they were going for and again this is you know there are multiple threads in terms of what they were doing with storytelling like trying to close stuff from the original trilogy and then do their own things here like i like some of the stuff like the the way they were basically trying to say jedi and sith whatever it's been a religion for thousands of years but it's really not about the religion it doesn't belong to jedi it doesn't belong to sith because it connects the whole universe and anyone can really tap into that if they're paying attention and focused and really in touch with the world uh where ray sort of expanding on her powers i think that was great and then you know to sort of take that a step further and say that you know this hope and this sort of connecting feeling that like you know, it, it it doesn't belong to anyone. It, it's it belongs to the entire universe. That sort of brings it back to the kids, saying there can and will be more people who are force sensitive out there, and it has nothing to do with necessarily Jedi training or belief in this religion or whatever. I, I like that stuff, but the way they got there, it, it's not that they really engendered like bad faith in the audience. But I'm watching it going like, all right, we're over here now. I'm not sure I get why that happened, but cool, we're over here, and then we're going over here now. And I'm a guess. All right, sure. I'm not really certain why or how that connects up, but okay. Now we're doing this over here, and then in the end, you get like, all right. So you tied up the things, and then there's the theme or whatever. Like, cool. But the the the, the pieces along the way, the 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 physical moving of the chess pieces were so inconsistent and just kind of arbitrary that I'm watching it going like, I get what you're saying to me. That ship's faster than that ship. I don't necessarily believe it. Uh, these ships are cloaked. Those ships aren't cloaked. You can't do that there. Like, I don't, 
I like, sure. I can just turn my brain off and like, let you tell me the things that you're here to tell me. Uh, but I have questions and you're not answering them. And then at the end we get this sort of like, just very star Warsian theme of the force and these characters. And that's fine. I, I like that. And that, that's sort of leading us into the, the, the continuing story, but the, the, the chess pieces themselves, uh, were not really treated properly, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, uh, some, some of the stuff where, and I, I agree, of course, that the, the logic of certain scenes can be distracting, even though you might be looking at the, the philosophical or thematic elements, and that might be what the filmmakers want you to take away. But if I'm sitting there going, why are bombs dropping in space? Uh, then maybe that could be tweaked, um, because there's no particularly good reason why those needed to be like world war ii bombers um full of bombs that were dropping bombs it, it could have been any other means like we've seen uh rebel ships in the original trilogy take heavy losses uh through through uh uh even though they're flying around zippity's you know doodah like super fast like they you can shoot them that that has an effect as well it, they don't have to just be slow and full of bobs um that they have to drop and the mechanic of there's only one button that I have to go get at the top of this ladder and then come down. And then there's a force field that separates the bottom of this catwalk from the infinite void of space. Um, I, I don't know. There's just, there's sort of distracting things that you're thinking about. And then when you see the, the little symbol, uh, that, that, uh, page, the sister has, uh, and of course Rose has one as well. It's, it's a real, you know, symbol that we would be familiar with, uh, you know, the yin and the yang. Um, it's not even uh, something that exists, you know, in particular to Star Wars. So it was uh, that was also kind of weirdly distracting in that in that moment. Um, and that right there is one of the th- the the first things where it, it they're trying to tell these sort of like sub stories, and I feel like they could have done something a little bit. Different. I mean, maybe maybe they decided that they really needed to have that Laura Dern character that Poe could sort of rebel against, but she's technically higher up than him. But, like, you know, presumably he's been fighting with these Resistance fighters for a very long time. This is a very dedicated group because the Resistance has just been getting its butt kicked for, for a very long time. Like, he, the, at no point did he go, like, well, crap, I'm getting my, my friends and my brothers and sisters killed with these things that I'm doing. Like, it's explained to him... Leia says, you know, we he destroyed a dreadnought, but at what cost? Like, you think that would resonate with him because he's literally the guy hanging out with all of these other pilots at some point. You figure he would have, like, a moment of self-reflection to go, like, oh, all my buddies are dead because of the thing I did, rather than, like, need it spelled out for him several, several times. You you, you would think he, he would be able to get that from that very first scene there. And then he could even have uh, a meeting with Rose who would be uh, understandably pissed off at him because of what he did and his sis- her sister died. Uh, and clearly that was uh, an emotional thing. But no, she she really had her stuff with Finn, which, you know, it, it worked, but... Uh, yeah, you know. I, I, I do agree, though, that um, typically what you would normally see is a pairing of like, oh, you're the hero, but you did all the stuff that got uh, my, my sister killed, uh, and, and having them talk that out. Uh, but they don't intersect, uh, really except for, uh, when they're 
preparing to uh, use their their little plan of like the codebreaker, etc. stuff. They briefly meet, um, and she doesn't have any real heartfelt interaction with him about the sister, uh, which is kind of I don't know. It's not it's not that that's hollow or it doesn't ring true, but you think she would have some sort of interaction from how heavily uh, impacted she was in the prior scene where she's bawling her eyes out in the uh, maintenance bay um, when Finn is trying to get to an escape pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she is the conviction to, to stun him uh, and, and drag him to the brig. Like, she, she seems to have some very strong feelings that get bottled up for that whole conversation she's having with Poe and Finn about how to... Uh, you know, I, I have no other explanation for this other than techno babble because they, there is just that weird conversation where it's like, yeah, you you know, that could be a hyperspace hyperspace tracker, it'd be active tracking, and that means only the lead ship could do it. And then because it's the lead ship, that would have to be Snoke's ship, and because it's Snoke's ship, that means we have to get to the power thing. Oh, I know where the power thing is. Why? Why? Why does he know that? I mean, he was a janitor. Because he was a janitor. That's, I, he, <laughs> he, he emptied the trash cans in the the hyperspace in the power, tracker room. In the uh, the power room. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So he he knows where it is on Snoke's ship. It, it just and, seems like there was an opportunity to, to to do a little bit more character interaction. Like I know we need to keep these people sort of separated on their their various missions and threads particularly because this movie relies heavily on lack of communication for this story to occur but you know if rose were to like sort of go after poe in a very emotional angry way and finn were to kind of separate her and then uh, you know uh finn and rose kind of make their friendship that way where he's sort of calming her down and separating the two you know uh and then they can go off on their little mission that would have been a a way to sort of bring all these people together on an emotional level not just a we need to get to the power room because of tracker thing, which, yeah. by the way, is it worth discussing that the, the, the hyperspace tracker is an Easter egg from Rogue One, which has apparently been around since before the original trilogy chron- chronologically? <sighs> yes, I mean, I, we okay, I'm just going to say this. Of course it's in Rogue One, and it's supposed to be an Easter egg about this, because they were writing these things around the same time. Uh, and no, that does not mean that it's a good thing, because <laughs> the... the uh, that basically means that the Empire had a hyperspace tracker that they didn't use <laughs> for for decades uh, before this. Maybe they only had one copy of the plans, and it was at Scarif, and it was all destroyed. Uh, so they, they couldn't do it themselves. And then it was reinvented, rediscovered by another ambitious fir- First Order guy. Or, more likely, uh, one of the people who hang out at a casino on a planet and sells arms. Uh, but I didn't need the mechanic of the hyperspace active tracker. You You could have just had them be betrayed by somebody um, or or some other mechanic or there's a tracker on one of the ships or something. Having this impossible mission to get on board the, star, the Super Star Destroyer doesn't give us anything because even when they get on Snoke's ship, what they do is inconsequential. Uh, they don't uh, have a positive impact on the storyline going forwards. Getting on Snoke's ship didn't give them anything. In fact... They wound up putting uh, all of the people at risk because through their own actions in trying to save everyone, uh, they brought on board an unscrupulous person um, who uh, used his moral equivalence about, uh, you know, whatever, uh, doesn't matter, all the same to me, you guys this day, you guys the other day, whatever. Uh, they, they Because of that, they magically had the access to the 
plan of these people evacuating um, undetected. And so that that screwed the pooch for them that way. But their presence there, they didn't destroy the Superstar Destroyer. They didn't uh, disable the Superstar Destroyer. They didn't uh, break the hyperspace tracker or prevent them from ever using it again or any of these things. Uh, so now you have the, the, the ghost of that hanging out there if you're going to try to have people escape in hyperspace again. Now you got to try to use that for your storyline is explaining away a hyperspace tracker in the future. Uh, they, they didn't have any impact on that at all. They, they just do some shenanigans and they have a fight scene. Um, and through what they do, they do kill maybe, maybe captain phasma, but nobody cares if captain phasma dies. I love you, Gwendolyn Christie, but no one cares about captain phasma. It's not, it's not a thing. Um, but, uh, but that, that's one of the really frustrating things is like, what was the impact of this thing? Kind of nothing, kind of something bad. And then whatever, uh, what, what, what did it get us? All this complicated plotting, nothing. The mechanics of the plot didn't matter. The, the, the you get the, the whole heist thing of we need a code breaker and then we can get in. And then, you know, once we're in, we can do this thing. And it's like, what did you get out of it? Zilch. Yeah. I, yeah. I liked the idea that, you know, and again, maybe I, I don't want to try and say like, oh, I can write a better better version of this movie given these pieces because that's yeah, first of all I, wrong, but that's that's a terrible instinct to try and have a conversation about. But like the idea that they are fleeing a base because uh, they're outgunned by the first order and they got to find another one, and uh, you know they're just continually running for their lives because they, they're they're on the defensive. Like I like that. Uh, maybe the ships could have like scattered in different directions and then you know the first order has to break up a little bit and is tracking them down in all kinds of different directions until they eventually get to uh wherever leia is but that mixed with this thread of like all right ray is gonna go get luke and he basically says no i'm not gonna help you and then what that forces ray to do are interesting pieces but i I feel like there are so many other ways to sort of uh, garner sympathy for the rebellion by them just getting their butts kicked left and right by the first order that you didn't have to do this like slow speed car chase because basically every time uh, the first order actually gets like you know target lock on the rebellion they kill what 70% of the people that are in front of them then a small group gets away and then they get up to that other group and they kill 70% of that group. And then the small group gets away and they kill 70% of that. Like it keeps getting smaller and smaller, but they never wipe everybody out, which, you know, is fine. But like the slow speed car chase version of that is not exciting and not helpful. But like, if everyone were to sort of like scatter to the wind, everyone jump to light speed in different directions and like make them chase you. Like then at least it's sort of like a shell game. Like, all right, they're going to go over here all right, we killed a bunch of rebels, but we didn't we didn't get Leia. We got to go over here. All right, Leia's not here. We finally find Leia like right at the end there when Ray says, "All right, screw you, Luke. I'm going to go do it myself." And then you can have this this fun thing where she's having this uh chat with Kylo or, you know, she thinks Kylo's going to turn and Kylo thinks she's going to turn and they kill Snoke and she's like, "Yay, I won." And Kylo's like, "Uh, no. Now you just put me in the driver's seat." And she's like, "No, we should be good guys." And he's like, "No, it's cool. I'm going to be the bad guy now." And then she like flees. Uh and then, you know, again, they're still going to be getting their butts kicked by the first order and maybe Luke can do his little thing. But like that would be more enticing to watch maybe than just sort of like uh, running out of gas in the middle of space and then like people getting blown up and then you've got this 
stupid code breaker thing. Like, I don't think those were necessary. Maybe, maybe my, the version of the movie I just described is like, uh, 65 minutes long and that's why it couldn't be a thing. But I feel like there are more dramatic ways to illustrate these themes than that thing that we watched. Yeah. Making this movie shorter is not really a problem for me. Um, uh, and I, I, well, while I agree, I mainly, it's not specifically, I'm, I'm not saying like what you did would have been better. I'm just saying the fact that we're thinking about these alternative scenarios for splitting up and recombining these people that have nothing to do with a convoluted plot mechanic that ultimately doesn't matter. Um, like it, it, that, that's the important part is like the plot mechanic as a, it, the criticism there is that this is just, it's not good. It, it could have been significantly better through a variety mm. of many other alternative means. Plus it's um, not like the, the resistance is uh, unfamiliar with the idea of scattering to the wind and hiding through obfuscation. Like, Luke and Leia were hidden by basically just splitting them up and, you know, one pretending to be adopted. And like, I'll just like everyone go into hiding for a while until we can, like, get enough people together to actually uh, match them physically. And then we'll re- recombine our forces. But like this idea of like, let's all stay together and keep fighting when you're clearly outgunned is not advisable and that's kind of what leia and uh rose are saying to well leia saying it to poe and rose is saying it to finn it's like no no this is not like suicide mission we got to focus on what what uh what binds us our 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 guiding force or whatever and let's all just you know focus on that and live to fight another day kind of thing but like they're not really practicing that they're all kind of just like I don't know. They're they're all just playing follow the leader, which is not helpful when you all go to one place and then they just put a giant cannon there and start shooting at your door. And then it's like, well, there's no back door, but uh, coincidentally, there's some 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 crystally foxes that we can follow. But oh, no, we're blocked. But oh, no, there's Ray. We did not need that. Uh, I mean, I why would you have? A base where the only way in and out is through a giant door. Also, if the only way in and out is through the giant door, then how are the those people getting in and out of the 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 foxholes in the in the front of the, yeah. the the trenches? Well, they never went in the first place. But I mean, yeah. you know, I feel like a lot well, of the no, elements but, in this movie but, are are there for like, wouldn't it be fun if purposes? And a lot of it, sure, yeah, that's that's fun. Put it in your movie; it's cool. But when it when it when it clouds the storyline, it doesn't. It's not you got to you got to window that stuff down so you can actually continue the the storyline through there. Yeah, you just don't need the the only way we can do this is this uh stuff because if it's not the only way or if it doesn't seem like logically it's the only way, like if we're thinking about other things, then and it doesn't even seem like panic. Yeah, it it can it it, it just becomes very distracting. Uh so I I really would appreciate it um going forwards if we didn't focus on any of these things of the only way we could do this is through some convoluted thing that i'm gonna just half explain and then it's not gonna matter like i just don't want that uh there's there are other plot mechanics in here that work better um we we of course are criticizing the strategy of these idiots um who are slow speed running away and the idiots who are chasing them who don't just like i don't know jump in front of them with the multiple star destroyers that they have uh and, and i know it's space and there's three dimensions and you can go multiple directions but you you could 
like they have so many star destroyers just like put one in every cardinal direction and then just shoot at them um they they can't go forwards in all directions i, yeah. I don't know it, it's it's one of those things where you're just watching it you're just like this is just idiotic and i know that they're faster at sublight than uh the imperial ships are but still so what uh like you, you watch that and you're just like this is ludicrous i mean really what it is it's a scale problem right like these ships are all so big that in order to show the relative speeds even though one is faster than the other it looks like neither of them are moving it at all which is is difficult because again you're in space you have no parallax but um, i would like to say that it was incredibly cool to see the uh the jump to light speed used as a weapon and i'm kind of shocked it took this many movies for them to actually do that uh but you know if laura Dern was going to sacrifice herself uh in the very beginning like as soon as they started their their little little mission there maybe maybe do that first no she wasn't going to do that right well okay i mean if if her her plan her plan was that uh she would keep going in the ship uh to lead the uh first order forces yeah. uh, to follow her until right. she re- finally ran out of stuff and then died <laughs> and then she's going to die right i mean she knows yeah. she's going to die by being yeah. on that ship but so maybe step 1 Take well even before like the one of the uh, uh the thing the, the 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 two other ships that were tagging along that uh got blowed up because they ran out of gas even before they ran out of gas maybe transfer everyone over to the main ship and then use one of those to jump to light speed right into the the things just to screw with them like you know yeah uh, try some stuff well but this her plan only worked because they weren't expecting it uh because they thought that everybody was going down to the surface. And so they thought that uh, the you heard the lines of dialogue where they say, oh, it's it's moving. It's coming about. And it's like, oh, they're just trying to distract us from oh, because, the people because they know that we know that they know that we now know yeah, that they yeah, are yeah. cloaked or whatever. I, right. I think it's one of those. Yeah, I think they because her her original plan was that she would keep going as a distraction because they weren't going to track the ships going down to the surface. But it's right. only because the ships were discovered. She'd that get she blowed she up does and the, they would think yeah. they got the whole rebellion, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, but that's, so that's why she, she wasn't immediately doing the hyperspace thing. Now to your earlier point of why they don't do that with one of the smaller ships, it probably wouldn't have had as big of a, a kablooey. Um, they were noticeably tinier. Um, but <laughs> what did you, what did you think of that, uh, the, the effect and the way it was shot and going silent and stuff like that? Uh, it was very anime. Um, but it was, it was interesting. I, 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 I was liked, cool. I liked it and I thought it looked neat. Um, I and I like that they. How did it read in your theater? Is a question because it, it, oh, everyone gasped in the theater that I was in. Something very peculiar happened in our theater. What is well, that? Nobody was expecting it to go silent. So as soon as it jumped to light speed, uh, this one little like six year old kid went boom, and that was the only thing you could hear <laughs> in the entire theater. And then everyone erupted into laughter because it was dead oh. silent except for this little tiny kid. And then we're watching just the first order crumble in space, and everyone's just laughing their heads off, like, "Oh, that was that was unanticipated." Oh, kids explode the darndest things, yeah. um, but they that that uh, I, while I like that, and I can piece together while I was criticizing other strategy things, I can piece together why they did that order of operations for leaving that as a final maneuver of hers, and why they we're not able to stop her before she executed her final maneuver, but you know, it's, it's still, eh. um, if it is the kind of thing that you could do that often, maybe they would have more ships that could do that sort of thing. But, uh, they, it's because of her sacrifice there in that really excellent shot that, uh, they are able to, 
have any any escape path at all for them um, because otherwise all of those transports would have been uh, annihilated. So this provides a moment of distraction uh, and coincidentally timed with some other uh, stuff that is happening on board Snoke's ship. Um, there's three separate things happening. Lordern blowing this thing up. Um, the uh, Finn and Rose in the cargo bay um, about to be executed uh, but miraculously being the only two people alive, because I guess anybody standing up was killed. Um, and uh, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, but Phasma somehow who was there was knocked clear or something and is fine with another force that she walks in with. Anyway, it doesn't. She has very strong armor, apparently. I'm trying not to think about the specifics of that. But uh, the that uh, is also timed with um, the end, the conclusion of the very important battle between uh kylo and ray um and in snoke's uh throne room like that uh all pieced together pretty well i think pacing wise yeah it's just getting to that point and the mechanics that maneuvered everybody into these positions yeah um not great but Mm -hmm. uh but that whole uh Ray and Kylo versus the uh, the the red guys fight was pretty great, especially you know it also did a great job of sort of perpetuating this uh, gray area between the the Jedi and the Sith and this confusion between who's going to be who and uh, you know you don't have to draw a line in the sand. People have their individual goals and ideals, and yet they also have these powers and these connections interpersonally. But uh, that whole scene there was just uh, cool. Yeah. Um... That uh, throne room scene, the entire thing, uh, start to finish, was well done. I had been pretty skeptical uh, because I thought that they were going to rehash Return of the Jedi uh, throne room, uh, but well, they started to because Snoke yeah. was torturing Ray. Yeah, and, and- she was, they, they they were trading some of this some dialogue that was very similar to Return of the Jedi dialogue uh, mm-hmm. back and forth about like you know blah 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 is your weakness, etc. And, but this uh, is this is a follow up from the Force Awakens where he says, "Find Ray and bring her to me because you know you couldn't get uh, you couldn't get the info out of her because she's strong with the Force and you're still an apprentice. So bring her to me and I'll be able to get all this info out of her because she, she's seen the map and stuff like that. And by all accounts, uh, Snoke is incredibly powerful. Uh, he has Force lightning. Uh, he can throw Ray around the room very quickly and easily. He can pull anything out of her mind that he feels." Uh, he wants, he, he found Luke pretty much in a heartbeat and they said, you know, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go kill him after this too. Uh, and then, you know, I, I see like, you know, the way the, the way Kylo killed him. Cause you know, he, he was, he, he had his little moment of hubris there where he's like, Oh, Kylo is my pawn. I can see everything that's going on in his head. Look at me. I'm reading his thoughts literally right now because he's so simple and meanwhile, Kylo is doing his little his little left hand thing there. That yeah. uh, who, who, who's a good little say. pawn? Who's a good little pawn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you know, yeah, he was sure. Maybe the apprentice got one over on the more powerful uh, the master or whatever. But um, I don't know that I buy how quickly he was killed. Like. You know, e- even in The Force Awakens, one of the coolest things is when Poe shoots the blaster at Kylo and Kylo stops at midair. Like, you would think Snoke would have that level of sort of, like, quickness about him, too, that if a lightsaber 
started to open near uh, him, he would sense that maybe. No, we're talking about like fractions of a second when he's not expecting something to happen. Like mm. th- he's not he's not at all focused on that. His focus is elsewhere, and that is the only reason why this can even work. Um, because if Ray wasn't there, he could. There's no way he would take down Snoke, uh, and no way that he would have even tried. Uh, but he but was be- concentrating on Kylo's actions. He wasn't really screwing with Ray at that point. Yeah, but he w- uh well he was still uh, holding Ray. Um but he he was so focused on what uh Kylo was going to do that he was not anticipating other things around him. He's in a very safe space, uh technically speaking. Um he's he's on his his flagship in his throne room, uh surrounded by his Praetorian guard and uh someone who won't betray him because he can read his thoughts. He had just been overconfident to the degree that he could read those thoughts. So I am I I understand why he went down so easily uh in that moment and I am fine with that. What I'm not fine with is that uh he was done away with without any explanation of the relationship that he had with uh Kylo. Uh I mean we know that he's abusive and he's controlling and uh he No no but we need to get into that too because yeah. uh, the whole thread with why he had bad blood with Luke is because Luke saw that Snoke was already turning him to the dark side while he was amidst his training. So basically what that means is Snoke knew about Kylo uh very early on. He knew where things were happening. He knew that Luke was training him to be a Jedi and he knew that he could uh try to turn him remotely and then uh he was going to come be his apprentice like there, there there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowing things that like uh, Kylo's learning from Luke but Snoke is in his head how why does Snoke know about him why is Snoke doing this maybe it's just cuz he's trying to turn any force sensitive people over to the dark side and then yeah, then all all of this other stuff about where the hell did Snoke come from, which maybe we don't necessarily need, but it would be nice to know how and why Snoke got involved with Kylo. If I'm seeing a character that's been in two movies, totaling four and a half hours, I want to know what their motive is, especially when they're the leader of the evil force uh, for for those two movies. So someone explain to me. Like, if, if I were to just say... in this movie, he's trying to kill Luke, isn't he? He's he's trying to kill Luke. Uh, it's his primary focus. It, it's not about recruiting Ray at all, um, and uh, he has an incredible degree of power. We have no idea where that came from. No idea where he came from, uh, came from at all, uh, and we don't know how he he fits in with the rest of this stuff. He's in charge of the First Order, but how did that happen? Uh, was everybody just like, oh, wait, this guy can throw me through a wall. I'm going to just go follow him. And then you just sort of like build up from there. Like what it's it's never fully explained, uh, not even to like a degree that I'm satisfied with. I mean, not at all. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Well, I guess um, there uh, to, to get my criticism out of the way, there is an explanation as to why he went after Kylo because grandson of Vader, because apparently he's aware of Vader somehow. Right. Yeah. And we don't know why or how that is or why that w- would really matter. Um, but he saw he, the potential for another Vader, I think is what the line he said. But, uh, you know, it turns out Kylo's kind of a disappointment. But that's well, why he initially he, went after him. But he he's mainly using that because he knows that it will damage uh, Ren's ego. Um, 
But it's probably partly true, right? It's like, well, this is the guy, the grandson of Vader, who is one of the greatest Sith out there and uh, emotionally compromised, you know, turned to the dark side. So maybe I can do that here, too. Yeah, but he's also emotionally abusive. Um, So I'm not sure if he really is disappointed in him technically um, or if he really cared whether or not that was his lineage as much as it was a token that he could use to manipulate um, uh, Kylo Ren. It's never spelled out, really, like what? What what the, the specific relationship between them is, um, like what what? It, nor do we really understand where Kylo Ren features in the power structure of this organization. Um, he seems to be on par with Hux up until the death of Snoke, and then he is elevated to the supreme leader, just by virtue of the fact that Hux would die um, if if he challenged that. Uh, which I, I do like that scene where he's waking up and Hux is like reaching for his blaster and he's like, oh crap. And he puts away his blaster before, before Kylo Ren stirs. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, here's our super powerful evil Emperor Palpatine a- analog uh, introduced in the last film. Uh, and we're going to off him. Uh, and we'll never explain the relationship between them at all. And I know that in the original series, you might point out the relationship between Palpatine, the Emperor, turning vader is never explained in the original series we just know that it had happened um and it's very similar to this scenario uh but i feel like if you're setting up for a whole trilogy that you're making from scratch rather than something you're trying to like assemble backwards that maybe you could explain things for motives for stuff uh but whatever yeah, and this one's confusing because it's not like snoke is a thread or a character from the original trilogy that we need to close before we can move on he he is he he's the head bad guy of this one and we see him be very powerful and menacing very briefly uh but then he's just gone uh and i, I don't i don't feel great about how quickly he was dispatched like i i don't know i just i'm i'm not saying like the bad guy should have been badder, uh, but like, you know, he should have done some stuff. Well, I think this is a problem that uh, stems from stuff that is not part of the film itself, but rather the mechanics of making the film, um, because J.J. Uh, Abrams had authority over the direction of The Force Awakens, and he wanted to restore things basically to where they were at a familiar place uh with the rebellion being replaced with the resistance with the first order replacing uh the empire and with snoke replacing uh the emperor uh and uh kylo ren replacing vader uh he wanted to have that be uh this this sort of one-to-one mapping of these things uh that would be very familiar and get us into what was happening inside of the force awakens uh right off the bat and uh ryan johnson um, in the theme of this film, of course, of letting go uh, everything that's come before, uh, and and to you got to move on. Um, you have to, you you know, you we are what they grow beyond. Um, he wants to uh, push forward his own agenda of accelerating things away from what uh, those one to one direct mappings that we saw basically in the Force mm-hmm. Awakens to to get us somewhere else, and so. It seems he doesn't appreciate Snoke and doesn't uh, appreciate anything about uh, really the power structure of the for- First Order or how it came about or why anyone would care. Um, and he just simply sort of 
sweeps all that stuff under the rug. And so we're going to get rid of Snoke. And the First Order is just bad, and that's it. And mm. then uh, the Republic is gone from the last movie, and the Resistance is going to be destroyed, except for a handful of people that fit on t- uh, a tiny mo- uh, boat. Um, so they those last remnants are the spark that's going to ignite the new rebellion and it's going to be a new way of going however the weird thing is jj abrams is coming back for episode nine now that uh colin Trevorrow has been um uh fired uh and it's it's one of those weird things where uh we're what direction will jj go because he can go where jj went before uh, or or he can try to follow what Ryan Johnson's instincts were. Um, it's not clear to me. It would be a real crummy thing if we if we just kind of get this weird push and pull between different opinions about what Star Wars is mm. uh, f- depicted on screen through the the course of these three films. Uh, because Ryan Johnson is going to be doing the trilogy that follows up after uh, Episode Nine, so. We're we're going to be in a scenario where we have J.J. Uh, Abrams, then Ryan Johnson, then J.J. Abrams, then Ryan Johnson again. And are we just going to get whiplash? Like, is the next episode going to basically start with, uh, and now Kylo Ren has his helmet back, and uh, they have Starkiller Base 2 under construction, and uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're, we're back to, to doing stuff just the way we used to do it. Uh here here are some ewoks like we, i don't know necessarily uh what they they're going to choose to do uh with that and it it sort of makes me a little trepidatious because it seems like there are very different opinions about um the mechanics of the star wars universe that have taken place over these past two films alone and what that could mean for our films going forwards mm. yeah i i don't think uh he's going to massively backtrack because i think one of the things uh, that they're doing here is, you know, again, trying to put the original trilogy aside. This whole, you know, the the original sort of uh, uh, spooky axiom was like, oh, there's always two. There's always a master and apprentice. And, uh, you know, the, that's how the bad guys roll. And th- that has been laid to waste now. So now Snoke is gone and Kylo's in charge and it's just bad guy, good guy. But in this one, I think they they, they did a pretty good job of illustrating the theme that for every uh, light side awakening, there is a dark side awakening. Like the, they're kind of two halves, uh, two sides of the same coin. So presumably, like we're not for so as different, many, you and I. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but presumably, for as many good people as you know, w- awaken to the force, there will be an equal number of bad people. You know, balancing the universe and that kind of crap. So for every uh, good kid using the force to sweep up a cage, there's a bad kid beating an animal with his broom or something. So like. You know, it, it is possible that, like, if you have this sort of, like, sprouting of a bunch of Force-sensitive good people, that there's going to be a bunch of bad people. And then you just sort of have, like, this even back and forth of good guys versus bad guys, which uh, is is a different take on the dynamics between Jedi and Sith, but I think it, it could be potentially interesting to explore. So maybe they're, they're, they're probably going to go in that direction, I imagine, with the next one a bit. It's just a matter of how far are they going to push it. I don't know. Well, I, I'm interested to see, much in the same way I was interested to see with this one. But uh, it, it is a little trepidatious when you're dealing with these characters um, that are being handed off between these authors, uh, and uh, they have wildly different opinions about these, uh, the importance uh, of these characters and what, what the, how they should fit into the world. Yeah. So, killing, killing Snoke, uh, 
when we finally get to meet him and we don't really understand anything about what was going on is a little confusing and perplexing. Um, I don't think uh, Snoke is going to come back uh, by any means. <laughs> They're not going to be like, oh, we found a back to tank and we just dumped him in it. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, we... No, because he was in lots of pieces. Yeah, well, he was in two pieces. He was a top and a bottom. He's very versatile. Well, his, ar- his arm was still on the throne, too, I believe. Oh, I missed the arm. Yeah, I think yeah. when Hux came out there, like, the arm was still just, like, sitting up there, and he's like, uh, ooh. I thought, I, thought, anyway, but, I thought his arm was still attached, but, uh, to his torso. Anyway. Like, uh, one of them yeah. might have been, but, um, you know, the, the other thing that it's, uh, it's, there seems to lack a little bit of, uh, growth in the main character's goals. When you just look at, like, Finn, Poe, and Ray, what they're doing, uh like finn's goal um used to be a stormtrooper want to kill the first order now cool got it poe i'm a good pilot want to kill the first order and you know poe had some opportunities for growth and you know i guess had a like a little tiny bit of growth in the end there when he said no the 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 cannon's already spooled up like let's fall back and uh there was very much it's very much like a uh uh nice guys nixon story like so there's two ways to look at things yeah just say that i get it there's okay he finally got it through <laughs> his thick head that they didn't all need to go on a suicide mission yeah may, maybe maybe a little strategy and living to fight another day is a good good idea and that took him two hours or whatever fine yeah he had a little bit of growth i mean what was finn's growth was basically the same thing like uh don't sacrifice say we're gonna we're gonna focus on the things we care about not try and just destroy the things we hate yeah which is very very uh optimistic 2017 message but that's fine but like in terms of as a character i don't know did that did that actually land with him did he just like get knocked out of the way and have to retreat and get taken away on the uh the falcon at the end there Anyway, like, I don't know. It seems like they had the same sort of, like, uh, ending scene that they had in The Force Awakens where everyone was regrouped in the Resistance area. But this one was much shorter. It was more just, like, and also, we're assuming that Poe never met Rey at the end of the other movie when they were all in the same room together. Apparently not. <laughs> Leia's, Leia's like, all right, Rey, have fun. Go get Luke. Like, they were all in that room together. And Poe was just yeah. like, I got to I gotta use the restroom. When we came back out, like, Rey was gone or something. I, I, it was, okay, so when... At the end of this film, when they're both on board the Falcon and Poe introduces himself, I was just like, what? What? They really ha- had no time to talk at all? Like, because I, I, like you, I had thought that there had been some interaction at the end of the last one, but then I was reviewing and I was like, oh, guess they didn't strictly have on screen stuff with them. Right. But if nothing else, what it also yeah. does is like you're trying to determine how much time has passed between the two movies. And based on the crawl, a little bit of time has passed. Like some things have changed. Like more of the resistance has gotten beat up. Now they're just trying to flee. Like there've been probably a couple of battles that we have missed, but then the way that interaction goes down, it's basically like the the past two movies are kind of an unbroken timeline. It feels weird that there was no, I mean, maybe she was just gone the whole time, but like when when we cut back to, to Ray, she's, she's there handing Luke the lightsaber, which he throws over her shoulder. Like, you know, parts of it seem like some time should have elapsed. Parts of it seem like, no, this is literally picking up right where, uh, the other one left off frame, the frame afterward, yeah. which, you know, I don't know. But I think those, I think, I think that's both, both of those things are true. I think with, uh, with Ray and Luke, it is picking up right from 
the very last shot of of the force awakens but the uh situation with the resistance is a little more complicated because that's they apparently are just evacuating now but it seems like sometime like you had said some time has elapsed because they didn't have uh, a mon calamari cruiser in orbit to evacuate people to at the end of the last film they, they the last film they talked about how their fleets have been destroyed and all they have are just x-wings so they got ships from somebody uh, somewhere so i don't know where they got them from and i'm assuming that's supposed to be the same mon calamari cruiser that was in return of the jedi that uh akbar piloted r.i.p akbar yeah um, they, men- they, they mentioned him in this one too saying he died in the uh the the thing that sucked Leia out into space. Yeah, when they blew up the bridge. Um, but uh, which was just cruel and unnecessary. We didn't need to say goodbye to Fish Face. Uh, but uh, they, they blew up. Uh, and for some reason, the end nub is still alive. But uh, they blew up the the uh, the bridge on this cruiser, et cetera, et cetera, stuff. But they didn't have that cruiser at all um, to begin with. And that's where they're evacuating everybody to. Now, I don't know why it took them so long to evacuate uh, other than procuring this because the first order knew where they were because at the end of the last film it was all about how the first order was going to blow up the planet that the resistance is on and you and i both mocked that as being somewhat impractical because it's like killing a fly with a nuclear bomb like i i don't know why you needed to waste the energy of sucking up the the star next to you and uh, and destroying that star in order to blow up this one measly planet? Like send a star destroyer and blow them up. <laughs> send send your dreadnought and blow them up because they have those things apparently. Um, yeah. Also, the, the that's another thing that made me think a lot of time has elapsed. Like, did the dreadnought get invented between these past two movies? Well, strictly speaking, it was invented between these past two movies, but in the world of this movie, it couldn't have been because <laughs> that would be just absolutely absurd but didn't uh, they say basically it's uh it's an updated death star tech like it's got two death star cannons strapped to it they didn't they didn't uh say that they said the death star tech was on the the battering ram um but it does I thought they said that was the dreadnought uh, i mean it has similar cannons but uh they they basically everything gets a cannon um you get a cannon you get a cannon you get a cannon <laughs> uh and they they they're going to use those to blow up the resistance etc but they could have there there's all this talk in the original trilogy about how star destroyers can bombard planet surfaces etc blah 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 um and it's not like the resistance base was like i don't know big it was a, a hill um with a landing pad in front of it like mm. I, I just blow it up come on guys i did i did like the way uh you saw the star destroyers come out of uh light speed from the planet where they just sort of popped in in the atmosphere that was pretty cool yeah the i don't like the uh, and if we're gonna uh verge into nitpicks i'm gonna say that i don't like the design of the dreadnought uh i thought it looked pretty silly um uh, unlike snoke's ship which while i i think it might have hue might have veered a little too closely to super star destroyer at least it seemed cool uh the dreadnought itself seemed kind of ridiculous it had that weird, like, super long, like, bridge module thing that, like, hung over the sides and then, like, ridiculous cannons and then it was flat, but it had these enormous towers on it. It's like, why does it have towers? And the towers are remarkably combustible, um, considering <laughs> they're supposed to be the defensive platform that protects the uh, the thing. One X-Wing can take out all of the, the defensive towers that they have. Um, they seem like they're armored with plaster or something. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. But... Um, the 
I don't know if we needed the set piece of the Dreadnought, except for the fact that it was supposed to give them something extra unusual to fight for. Because had it just been another Star Destroyer, uh, then what would be the point of blowing up one Star Destroyer? It wouldn't have mattered. At least with this one. bigger and newer and fancier for each movie. Yeah. And so they have to blow up this Dreadnought. Um because that way it's a it's a big win for Poe uh in terms of the the resistance and technically if they hadn't blown this up then it would have also showed up uh at the the uh slow speed car chase uh and presumably its cannons which can hit the surface of a planet uh would have been able to shoot the uh resistance ships a, be- a lot better than the star destroyers were capable of shooting yep Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird when you try to think about that timing stuff of how, how they could like have this other ship they didn't have before and do these things that they seemingly weren't doing and then mm-hmm. all that stuff. But, uh, it's a little sloppier than Ray's story. I think Ray's is a little more finely tuned because it is supposed to literally pick up from the last thing. But strangely enough, uh, the disposition of Luke Skywalker seems dramatically different between the end of uh, uh, the last one and this one. Um, because what, the look on his face, yeah, he's 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 all scowly and stuff, and then he throws the lightsaber over his shoulder. Um, which, while it's it's funny, uh, it certainly got laughs in the theater. Um, that that he doesn't care about this thing that she had valued and thought that uh would be very important. Uh, going forwards uh, well that that is momentarily funny he, him storming off and then not wanting to talk to her and she's not going to go away and that whole thing it's like oh I don't know if we needed all of that but uh, when they start getting along um, and you know we get the green milk and stuff and the porgs when they start getting along um, it's uh, better but the first lesson ending with the thing of like, oh, it didn't scare me enough before and it should scare me now, blah, 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 blah. I thought it was like, oh, so I guess the lessons are over. But then they started doing them again and I was like, so I guess he's not that scared. Did they get all three lessons in? I'm not sure. Because uh, they had that lesson uh, and then they had the the second lesson about, uh, what, what was the second one? I don't know. There was the thing where she found the books on her own and then he followed her in and was like, hey, who are you? Yeah. And why are you here and stuff? Yeah, because the books speak to her. Um, was, was was that like an ad hoc second lesson? And then I don't know what the third one was. I don't know. It, it was vaguely confusing. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the real important thing is that he he's having trouble that uh he has closed himself off from the force uh that that he's not a part of everything that's going on around him uh and he just basically wants to die and he's uh uh you know he is he's just living with his regrets about how things have gone for him i i don't necessarily understand the situation that led up to this uh which is either that he was going to kill uh ben solo uh aka kylo ren um in his sleep uh just because he was just mad with power like kylo says or that he was going to do it because he sensed the evil in him um and wanted to make sure that there wasn't that evil but uh it's it's your nephew dude um 
I don't know. It seems it it it, it seems really either of the neither of the, one of those stories seem particularly good, and uh, his regrets about how things went down are what put him where he is. Um, and he has no feelings about trying to fix anything. Um, he just just he just wants to just die out mm-hmm. here. By it was a little uh, it was a little minority reportish, right? Like. Uh... Inside Kylo's head, it looks like he's going to turn into a horrible bad guy, so he might as well kill him before uh, that happens. But he hasn't technically turned bad yet, so uh, isn't the lesson uh, kind of like maybe you should have, like, instead of cutting bait and running, like, uh, try and try and help him? Like, maybe work a little harder instead of just, like, killing him in his sleep? Yeah. Well, also, it's especially strange when you consider what Luke had done the last time uh, he was in a story— it was redeeming his father um, in Return of the Jedi. Uh, so um, I'm not sure about the dramatic shift that led him to be like, nope, nothing we could do. Better kill him in his sleep. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, mm, I don't know. I don't know. It's very, very peculiar. I buy the rest of all the other, other old, you know, curmudgeon grumpy stuff. Like, that, that all works. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure. He's grumpy. Makes sense. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, the part where he got where he is, I just, that, that, that still doesn't 100% click for me. Yeah. Plus if he's really like given up on the Jedi religion and the force and stuff, like why did he go to the planet where that originated and it's full of like the original scriptures and all that stuff? Like if you really just wanted to like die, uh, hidden somewhere far away, just like Go find a bar in the corner of the universe and just drink yourself to death or something. Yeah, he should have been Cantobite. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. But um, nah. yeah, I think right here is where we can draw the line between, personally, my in my opinion, reasonable criticisms that made the movie difficult to sort of uh, swallow everything that it was feeding us into uh, like super nitpicking. Like, I don't think we've gotten super nitpicky yet. And I, I can get super nitpicky if we want to keep going that way. But like, uh, I feel like the things we've discussed up until now are just genuine kind of mechanic and story issues that uh, we wish were flood out, uh, fleshed out better. What do you think? Have we gotten too nitpicky? No. I mean, other than my criticism of the, the silly ship, um, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah. I, I think we've, uh, we've mainly restricted ourselves to be about things that, just you know the operation of the film mm. well, uh, i'll give you yeah. i'll give you two nitpicks because i've got two nitpicks in my head that i want to get out okay go for it um well the first one is uh when, when they're when they're down on red salt planet whatever i don't know why we needed to know that was salt by the way with the one guy who licked it um when, well, when they're when they're down there putting up the uh the, the the signal to the other people all around the universe that we need help uh <laughs> The person running the computer turns turns to somebody off camera and goes, we're broadcasting, but we're not getting any response. And then the camera tilts up to another person who's there going, we're asking for help, but nobody's coming. It's like, you just said that. Don't say it twice in a row. Yeah, well, also, I don't know if that's necessarily how broadcasting works. Um, you, don't, you don't get like a read receipt on that. Uh, but <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Maybe that was part of the... Well, that, that's just Speck. sort of a, a microcosm of some of the other lines in the movie where I feel like it's it's a, it's a little, I don't know, maybe it's the Disneyification to make sure the kids understand what's happening. But there, there are a handful of lines that were 
so blatantly yeah. on the nose. It's like, I get what you're saying. I don't need you no. to say it twice. I, I, I got to take issue with using the word Disneyfication. I don't, I don't <laughs> feel like, I don't feel like this Star Wars film has been Disney-fied. I don't even know what that means. Maybe it has just been uh, reassuringly PG-13-ified. I don't know what I'm trying to... Well, to... all of them were PG-13 or PG. Like, yeah, I know. You, yeah. you got you to gotta make sure uh, everyone in the audience get, gets what's going on, but I didn't need the redundancy in some of the dialogue. Okay, that's fair enough. Mm. Yeah. You were so, but, sorry, you were saying something about the salt. I cut you off. Oh, the, with the, the salt, the... Uh, the reason why they did that was part of the force projection thing. Um, so, you know, he wasn't leaving any footprints, um, which is supposed to be a clue. Uh, but ultimately, was, it, was that a clue? I didn't, I didn't even notice that. No. And I, in fact, I had missed that one. The big clue for me was that his hair, uh, and his beard <laughs> was nicely cut. Yeah. And his beard was dyed Brown again. When he first shows up there at the base, I'm like, well, you, you certainly took your time, like going to like a spa and like getting yourself, uh, mm. you know, back into, uh, uh, com- you know, a respectable disposition in order to get yourself shot. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he, he picked I don't know up a, he did that. He picked up a box of just for men Jedi edition. <laughs> yeah. He, he just, he, I, 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 that tipped me off that something was going on that was a, a little different than had been expected. Mm-hmm. I didn't cotton on to the, um, footstep thing, but, uh, Technically, I don't know why his footsteps wouldn't have, because he handed Leia the dice thing from the Millennium Falcon, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't really there, but it was solid up until Kylo Ren picked it up, and then it faded away in his hands later. So if the projection could be solid, uh, and even last beyond Luke leaving his mortal coil... Um, why, why would he have not had footprints? I don't, I, I just, just a general question that I have, cause I don't understand the necessarily the mechanics of it. I understand why you visually want to have this salt planet, um, so that you can have these, the, the footprints and you can also have stuff falling from the sky and it's not the same as a snow planet. It's not Hoth again. Yeah, it looks um, like a snow planet, but it's not. Yes. <laughs> Fooled yeah. you guys. Um, but, uh, it was cool. I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the battle, the, the, the very sort of widescreen cinematic looking battle setup between kylo and uh luke was very cool looking yeah you, th- you think you got him um when they, they shoot him um but uh mm. and then he goes down there and he he fights him um and uh he even does the uh samurai anime i'm running at you slice through you thing and then <laughs> yeah I was, I was and when luke turned back around to face him i was like wait they're not going to do that thing where he like slides apart right <laughs> and uh but sure enough this is where you determine that he's he's a projection and not in fact real uh and uh that 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 was interesting um because we hadn't seen anything like that before uh i don't know how c3po saw him um i don't know why the machinery on these ships and stuff detected him as being there when he wasn't um so that they could target him and stuff uh but it seemed it seemed like he was very very much uh real except for the footprints and his appearance and well, using we a lightsaber a couple, of, a couple of new things that the force can do right so you projections mm-hmm. you got uh you got your floating through space thing presumably mm-hmm. maybe the force kind of insulated her from space too but 
Yeah, you got you got some new stuff here. Yeah, and uh, you have your long distance calls. Um. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the other one. The force yeah. force long distance calls. Because uh, well, the the force had been used uh, to communicate over substantial distances before, but they were always basically in the same solar system when they were doing it. Um, and like, especially at the end of Empire Strikes Back, when it's like, oh, I know Luke is still alive. We got to go back for him. That whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not implausible that they can reach out uh, with the force and communicate with one another. And that was sort of the building block that got us to the projection at the end. Um, because we see projections between Ray and uh, Kylo Ren, um, especially when Luke catches them. Uh, and you basically see Kylo Ren there in the same hut with her mm-hmm. uh, for a split second before he vanishes. Um, that was... That was basically what was supposed to be the breadcrumb trail to get us from Empire Strikes Back communication to that uh, ending for Luke. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, and I like how he goes here. Now, I know a lot of people might want him to go out in a blaze of glory of actually uh, being in the combat, but uh, then I would be very uncomfortable explaining how he actually would have been successful in that combat. Um, I think it's more impactful that he denied kylo ren the combat that he craved uh because he doesn't even get the satisfaction of killing luke uh luke is the one who actually um gets the 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 leg up on him because he made kylo ren waste his time on on this allowing everyone else to escape and at the end of the day he still didn't kill luke skywalker and luke skywalker says you know i'm gonna be with you uh you know when i die just like your father uh, so when he's dead, presumably in the next film, we're going to see uh force ghost Luke show up and just be like, <laughs> what's up punk. I'm not sure that's literally what he meant, but yeah, that, that, that's potentially doable. Yeah. Uh, it could just be, I'm going to be with you like your father, like your guilt. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I choose to believe that they're going to have force ghost Mark Hamill. Um, because why force not? ghost Yoda was pretty dope surprise by the way. Yeah. I had no expectation of that happening. Um, I had no idea it would occur, and I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting that they chose to do a puppety, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi looking uh, Yoda, uh, mm-hmm. rather than, of course, the the prequel Yoda. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's chronological with the the original trilogy, so he's got to be puppety. Yeah, uh, I I think it worked well in that regard. He was covered in so much blue shimmery stuff, though that. Uh, who cares um he probably could have got away with it uh because it's it was kind of annoying that it didn't look exactly like the force ghost effect that you saw at the uh, in return of the jedi uh where there was sort of like those white dots too like sort of a dotted outline around Mm -hmm. um it wasn't wasn't that sort of a thing i wish they had gone more in that direction because there's sort of just like a soft luminescence blobby cotton fluff thing about the way they chose to go uh, yeah. But but I like that he's there. Um, yeah, he's and, able to, uh, to have a conversation. He's even able to pull down lightning, apparently. Yeah, that was a new... Uh, speaking of new Force powers, um, apparently the Force ghosts can have a, a very real impact on the world, uh, a very real destructive impact on the world, which raises the question of why why aren't like Force ghost uh, Jedi people out there, why aren't they just like helping uh, people, like all the people who are dying 
It can't. It can't be every every force ghost has the ability to do that. That that there's got to be there's got to be a special special tier for Yoda. Yeah, but why doesn't Yoda help all these people who are dying because of Snoke? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. It, I'm sure there's some sort of lesson in there about self reliance <laughs> or something. Yeah, I, I, but it's one of those things where it like raises a question of like if you can just like zap people from beyond the grave. Maybe um, he's only allowed to do it on uh, Jedi planet there. Yeah, maybe just the just the fact that it's a Jedi tree, um, so you can do it. Uh, I, I don't know what the rules are, um, and I don't necessarily need them spelled out. But it does raise the question of like, well, what will we see happen in regards to this in the future? Oh, uh, you just reminded me of something else I need to talk about. Oh God, we're going on for a very long time. But I, yeah, I, I, I'm but, I'm gonna say I, I I'm willing to give them that Yoda and Force Ghosts can do stuff on Jedi planet, but. Um, Dark Hole Hall of Mirrors with Ray. What in the hell was that? <sighs> okay. Uh. Well, just to wrap up the Yoda thing, I like that scene. Um. I'm very happy that it's in there, and I like the uh the setup that Yoda gives to Luke, and I think it fits with Yoda's character. I don't feel like it's out of character for Yoda at all. Uh. So I'm glad it's there. Now, as for the Hall of Mirrors, um, the Luke was very concerned about Ray being drawn to uh this place that has a strong connection to the dark side very similar to uh dagobah having that cave um that's drawn to the dark side that place is strong with the the dark side of the force uh and that was uh something that had occurred in uh empire strikes back and luke goes into that cave and he confronts uh what he thinks is vader and kills him and then the the mask blows up and reveals that it's himself um, and that is the way we get the, uh, that, that is the way they start to seed the information that it's his father, uh, that, that he is also in danger of becoming just like his, his dad. Like it, it is a, a thing there, a warning about lineage. And in this movie, um, the sort of blowhole that she gets sucked down into, um, she gets up and there's a sort of a polished rock and she touches it and, uh has a very trippy thing which i wish they didn't have any dialogue for i wish they had just left it as trippy because i think the dialogue actually made it worse of like i can reach out and i can see things and blah 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 like i, I don't i don't need that like don't narrate that just just show us what it is i wonder if that was like a studio note of like what are we watching <laughs> you know put in dialogue but mm-hmm. uh so anyway she snaps her fingers and there's all this stuff it went on a little too long like basically the the whole thing is just that uh she sees herself repeated over and over and over again, forwards and backwards. Um, and then she finally thinks that she can see uh, the end point, And it turns out it's just herself. Right. She she thought she was going to see her parents or something. And it, so is this, is this uh, Luke got to see his, his a warning about his future and potentially becoming Vader. And she sees absolutely nothing because she's uh, nobody's daughter from nowhere and she can be whatever she wants to be. That that is one interpretation of it, um, and I, I I believe that that is possible. But at the same time, it's supposed to be a place that has a strong connection to the dark side. So I'm not necessarily. It doesn't seem spooky. It seems very supportive <laughs> that that you're no one, but uh, but all but you still matter. Um, seems just to be like yeah. dark side file not found or something. Like, well, <laughs> we got nothing to offer you down here. It was like, uh, we were going to play a spooky joke on you, but uh, you're kind of boring. Never mind. Um, <laughs> here's a picture of yourself. <laughs> but uh, I, 
you know, we'll we'll see. Um, I don't know if this is going to have any role at all in where things are going to go in the future. Uh, but it seemed like it was saying that she was basically the important thing um, that she needed to be concerned with. Uh, and there didn't really seem to be any consequence to this expedition into this blowhole cave at all. Um, so I don't know what Luke had freaked out about about this. Uh, and he didn't even have the thing like Yoda did, where he's sitting outside going, oh... Mm, you know, where where Yoda was sitting outside of the cave and fiddling with his little walking stick uh, when Luke was in there and mm-hmm. had killed the manifestation of, of Darth Vader. Um, So that would have been an interesting thing to do. But uh, for some reason, it didn't even come up and Luke and Ray don't talk about it. So wh- whatever. Just peculiar. It was peculiar. Yes. Yeah. Um. Did you have anything more on that scene, or I have one more question for you? No, go ahead. Go uh, ahead, caller. Uh, Porgs, what do you th- what do you say? <laughs> um, when I've uh, when I first saw trailer stuff with Porgs and people talking about Porgs and even the name Porgs, which I had heard prior to the film, I was like, oh no, oh no, Ewoks, oh no, <laughs> oh no, Gungans. <laughs> um, we're gonna have cute little creatures that are gonna be running around fighting people, uh, and that didn't happen, mercifully. Uh, I, I kept waiting for it to happen, but then at a certain point in the film, I relaxed a little and I'm like, oh, they're idiots. Uh, they're, they're not, (laughs) they're not sentient, uh, creatures that are going to do anything. Like they, they have an understanding of the world around them, apparently, um, enough so that, uh, they whimper when, uh, Chewbacca is going to go eat one of them. But, uh, but fortunately they don't have any like dialogue or do anything really. And uh, the degree to which they show up on the Falcon, which had been depicted in the trailer, is mainly just as comic relief of uh, basically uh, to the same degree that in Star Trek you had tribbles, uh, just like little fluff balls that were yeah, just there, there's infesting. There's a lot of them and there's pests and they just kind of got in there. Yeah, they just infested the ship. Like there's even like a little uh, group of them nesting inside of like one of the tufts of decomposing uh, insulation. Um, so, you know, that's that's all interesting. Uh, what did you think of uh, Luke's scene on board the Falcon when he sneaks in there uh, and uh, runs across R2-D2? Uh, you know, um, I feel like he dealt with Han's death pretty quickly. Like, he, there was an opportunity there for a little bit more of a moment. I liked that uh, R2 sort of, like, guilted him into helping Ray by showing uh Leia's little video, which, you know, harkens back to we need somebody who can guide us. Uh please be you. Um so mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I liked that, but uh I, I don't know. There, there, there could have been more there. It it was fine. I don't know. It didn't really do much for me. I was surprised that R two D two didn't really factor into any of this other than that one scene if luke hadn't gone in there and bumped into r2d2 uh that touching moment would not have happened um because r2d2 wasn't doing anything through the course of this film uh which is a little disappointing because r2d2 is kind of a fan favorite uh and we know that he's uh apparently in power saving mode a lot of the time but he he didn't even do anything when the falcon was uh maneuvering and flying around at the end of the film uh, he d- had no participation. Um, 
Well, I think BB-8 has sort of, you know, overtaken him. Yeah, but uh, I, I would like to see some sort of uh, conclusion for R2-D2's storyline uh, rather than him just, like, popping his head up every now and then um, just to do one thing and then just not be there for the rest of the film because he's in power-saving mode. It, it seems like the character uh, that we had loved from the previous films deserves a uh, a decent ending, I think. Uh, and maybe we will get that. Um, I mean, at him some and C three PO both, right? They're not really doing anything. Yeah, C three PO has a couple like little jokes here uh, in regard to the mutiny and um, other things, but he's he's not doing anything. And I really wish, uh, you know, if you're if you want to have them there for the nod to the original series, then you know, do something with them. But uh, like having the nod and then them also being very inconsequential. Um, is kind of sad. C-3PO uh, got his arm back. Yes, he did. He doesn't have the red one anymore, so you could recognize him. Uh, but uh, you know that that's one of those things that's difficult to do because we're already complaining about all these other actors that are crammed into into here with with characters that are all starved for time uh, for development. Um, that I don't I don't know how you even uh, layer in all of these additional old characters uh and ex- expect to do anything with them but i i i feel like having them just sort of there as like furniture is is not great either does that make sense i think so i i don't i don't have a, a better suggestion for how to use them yeah well one thing i wouldn't do is have a c3po jump jump onto a, an atst uh, inside of a hangar bay and pull the top off and drive it around. Really, uh, in, it changed in my mind the, the scale of those things. I thought they were a lot larger. Uh, yeah, when the top of it came off, it seemed it seemed very small because BB-8 is not that big. But um, Maybe they have different uh, different sizes. Uh, maybe there's like the your, your personal pan pizza ASTST, and then there's like, you know, three, four guy, your, your medium, as you call it. Mm-hmm. Well, any any ATST is a personal ATST if you try hard enough. Um, but uh, the, the, uh, that that felt a little prequely, like you know when they're in the droid factory in the second movie, and you know that kind of stuff where it's just sort of slapstick. Uh, so I was not as enamored by that. Uh, like, hop on, we're gonna <laughs> take this little chicken walker all the way over to the 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 launch bay. Um, but uh, that that's nothing compared to the prequeliness that I felt when we were on Canto Bite. Uh, when I was watching the film, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm in the prequels again! What's happening?" <laughs> what with the dogs or with the whole thing? Yeah, with everything because it was like, okay, so we have a, a decadent society with sort of 1930s ish throwback stylings, uh, you know, your jazz stuff uh, going on there, and everybody's all dressed up uh, for for their gambling casino in Monte Carlo. Um, it's very broad. Uh, much in the same way that uh, Lucas was like, here's my, you know, Art Deco uh, stuff inside of the Capitol, and then here's the the diner, the 1950s space diner, um, with decks and like all, all that, you know, sort of goofy stuff. Where it just, it's just like, why did you style it this way? Uh, and that's what I was feeling when we were on Canto Bite. Uh, in addition to the racing 
and the slavery because here's here's some more enslaved children remember enslaved children as depicted in uh star wars episode one the phantom menace and uh star wars episode two aren't those aren't those delightful enslaved children we should have more of those uh i i don't understand uh why that was where we went with that other than the end scene is the reason why you had them in here in which case i would like to see these children introduced in some other way because it seemed sort of it didn't seem like it was backed up by anything like here's some children here's some child slaves isn't that terrible sad face and it's like okay (laughs) just tortured animals that are being erased for fun and money isn't that terrible yeah i I just and the the race uh, immediately when i heard uh that the, the race was going on and we opened up to the racetrack before you even see the th- creatures running around i was like oh no they're pod racing aren't they and then, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you've had the same fear that i did but well, uh, i had that fear when they were down on salt planet like those things they jumped in i'm like wait is that a rehoused uh pod racer but then there were a whole bunch of them like oh no maybe that's a separate thing but it, it looked it looked pod racer-esque to me yeah well they had they needed to have that thing that dragged up all the salt so you could get the red trails behind them of course but no, the, the, uh, you know, you got your your fancy people there. You just you just got to have a scene where, uh, you know, the um, the righteous uh, resistance um, defeat slash eat the rich or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I, it was pretty heavy handed. And I didn't feel like the scenery was particularly uh, well imbued with technical quality. Um, <laughs> what, the like cornfield or whatever they were running through? Yeah, like everything just felt like really soft and glowy. Like I don't, I don't, I don't understand. It's uh, uh, it's Monte Carlo at nighttime. Like it's a, uh, it's a soft, glowy town where people are rich. Even the little the like horse hyena cat things, though those all looked like fluffy and glowy, um, which was also strange. But uh, the and the the police officers, they even had like glowy little helmet things too. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, you know, they had to look fancy to to walk amongst the fancy guests. One thing that was really distracting was uh, the opening shot of the interior of the casino where the camera is uh, going through everybody at the tables. Yeah, you didn't like that? N- no, no, no. I liked it, but it was distracting because I'm watching it and I'm going, I've seen this before because it's Wings. Um, and sure enough, it's it's basically just that exact shot from Wings. There's also a very uh, long sort of steady cam through uh, Maz Kanata's place in Force Awakens that's kind of similar. Not, it's yeah. not a straight line over top of a bunch of stuff, but it's, it no, does some similar things. This is a straight line over the stuff. It's very, very much a direct homage to that. Um, and there's, you know, the stuff with the the tiny little critter that's jamming coins into BB-8, and that's the voice of Mark Hamill. But um, I, I didn't need that... I, again feels like the prequels like the whole the whole section here fe- feels like the prequels mm. and i i understand like this is supposed to be showing that uh there are people who have the this terrible moral equivalence of like we're gonna sell weapons to the the highest bidder and uh we'll finance anybody uh to kill each other and uh we'll have slaves and we'll just enjoy all the money we're making yeah it was another moral war is war doesn't matter which side you're on you're probably wrong so just don't enlist or whatever yeah and I understand wanting to have that, but I felt like it was executed with the deftness of George Lucas um, <laughs> at his lowest lows. So I, 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 I and you know, while I had been complimentary of many thematic things, again, this is like the execution of this is just, it's not up to snuff um, with what I would expect uh, in terms of sophistication. And I'm not saying it's been, you know, dumbed down for children or something like that. It's just been 
made it overly broad and um, uh, cartoony mm. uh, for for no particularly good reason. I feel like that is a reasonable assessment, kind of on the whole, uh, for this movie. A slightly overly broad, burdened and a little bit convoluted with the uh, tying up the previous trilogy and trying to do new things in this trilogy, and then just some very peculiar mechanics that don't really... Not even that they don't hold up to scrutiny, they don't even hold up when you're watching them, but... Mm. Like, all in all, like, you know, I, I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy the movie. It was It was a good movie to watch like i'm not i'm not raging against it i'm not signing the petition to have it stricken from the canon (laughs) yeah and and like we had talked about at the beginning which many people have probably forgotten at this point in the podcast but uh i i liked it as well um but i i I do have criticisms of it Um, right but like listen to any of our reviews of any of the star wars movies like they're all doing a lot of different things and it makes the plot kind of weird and uh difficult to follow at times like it's like this is not a unique criticism to this movie like they're all kind of like that because they're telling a huge story over many many movies like whether they want to be or not like they have to kind of do certain stuff so i don't know there's necessarily going to be a lot of different threads and that's going to make it a more like you're never going to get a star wars movie that's as like a simple a through line as a movie like drive or something like you're not going to have that level of low relative stakes movie in a star Wars universe. This is not the kind of thing that they can do. Yeah. And while many people might find the force awakens, uh, more easily digestible than this, I would say that's probably because they've seen the force awakens elements before, because in many ways it is a a rehash of a new hope, um, with, you know, a, a lot of updates, not, it's not directly, um, but, uh, this is definitely not a rehash of empire strikes back. It's not digestible in the same way. Um, and it does things differently to a degree where, uh, there's going to be new things to criticize. Uh, also, yeah, while the, while the first order does, uh, do a bit of striking, uh, they don't really put the resistance down in the same way that, uh, they did in the empire strikes back. Well, actually, um, the empire didn't put the, res- the rebellion down at the end of, Right, I know, but in in terms of, like, the feeling you're left with, I don't know. Like, at the end of this one, we feel a lot more hopeful for the Resistance and uh, that the the First Order is kind of a bunch of doofuses, whereas in Empire, you you did kind of feel bad that the bad guys were doing better than the good guys. Yeah, Uh, I would say say that has to do with the the thematic elements of... um, the new generation coming along. That was not something that was a part of empire strikes back. Uh, you, you didn't get something about like some kid sweeping with a broom, um, and he has forced powers that, that didn't end the film, uh, for that one. So what you wind up with is all of the characters looking forlorn out the window when they're, when they're thinking about, uh, uh, Han, um, who Lando and Chewie are going to go try to rescue and they, they fly off in the millennium Falcon. So it, it that, has a more melancholy uh, feeling, even though there are more people alive at the end of that film than there are at the end of this one, um, which is which is interesting because uh, I I don't feel the same way necessarily as you do, uh, which isn't you know that not 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 to say that I uh, you're wrong or I'm right or anything, but it was just I had a different impression because I was still focused on uh, the decimation of. <laughs> everybody that had happened well, in the sure, prior scene it, maybe it's just that i didn't really like emotionally feel the losses of the resistance in this movie like they 
you know, we don't spend a lot of time getting to know these people that die that make us feel sad in this movie. And not to say we did back then either, but they, they found a different way to make us uh, be bummed out at the end of uh, Empire. But, it, you know, at the, the end of this one, I don't know, like I didn't lose anybody that was particularly close to me. Even Luke, like, I mean, he he's... He's an outsider to most of the main characters in this movie. So when he goes, you're like, oh, it's, that's a bummer. There goes Luke Skywalker. But at the same time, like, I think that was set up appropriately. Like, there wasn't anything particularly devastating about the massive losses to the Resistance because we didn't really spend any time on that emotionally. Yes, I would, I would agree. All right. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> let's get to final thoughts before we go longer <laughs> than the movie. Uh, we're, no, we're still not in any danger of that happening. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's start a slow speed chase uh, where you... you throw paper airplanes at me from Arizona to here. Uh, but, take uh, a while. yeah. Uh, so the, the last thing I want to say, um, is that, uh, I really would like to see more Ray, uh, and, uh, Kylo Ren in the next film. Um, and I would like them to do something with Finn, um, where, he gets a sense of completeness to his his character where he feels fulfilled um at the end of that one and then poe dameron can run the freaking resistance for all i care um and uh i don't want to see maz Kanata again um i don't care <laughs> i i didn't care about her in the last film and i don't care about her in this one i like that she's there for comic relief with her union negotiation comment but whatever uh, and Donald Gleason, um, I like him as General Hux. Um, in this one, he is just a comedy punching bag. Um, and uh, I don't know where they're going to go with that necessarily in the future, but hopefully the friction between him and uh, Kylo Ren uh, is is heightened. And then Captain Phasma, um, I hope that the character is dead because I don't see them being able to do anything with it again. Uh, I was, it's kind of regretful that she came back for this. Um, I, and again, I really like Gwendolyn Christie, uh, but there's nothing to really do with her. Uh, so again, please don't. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to see Benicio del Toro pop up again. It felt like (laughs) in his last scene of this, that he was going to show up again at the end and be like, okay, now I'm going to save you guys or something, but he doesn't, he's just like, maybe he's dead. Like we don't necessarily see him like leaves successfully and he's enjoying his spoils uh and there's a rather significant uh, accident that had occurred so i I don't know but he's probably not dead Uh, it's kind of in line with the first order like you would have kind of expected phasma to just like (laughs) shoot him be like oh all that money we promised you sorry we're gonna keep that and i know that the reason why they didn't do that is because they wanted to have this message about the moral equivalence thing and the only way you could do that is if you actually give him the money and then he leaves with the money because if he doesn't get the money uh, because they betrayed him, um, then you don't have the same impact uh, from his treachery. Because then you might feel a little bad that he was such a uh, so gullible. Um, but in this way, you don't feel bad that he was gullible because he got his money, and so it's really just about um, what a sellout he is. And so you can yeah. condemn the character that way. Uh, but but yeah, I don't I don't need to I don't need any more with that. Uh, I mean, maybe that's another one of the reasons that these movies. I don't know. They they feel extra PG thirteen to me. I don't know. Of course they are. Like I'm not saying I need like a super dark version of this, but like 
the, the, there's sure you've got the military aspects of the the first order like being bad guys and killing a bunch of good guys that you see uh in the movie as ships that blow up and you know people die but like nobody in this movie is like truly evil and sadistic in what they're doing they're just like well we got a plan and that involves shooting lasers at the, at those ships over there until they explode like you never really get the sense that people are deeply troubled inside uh the way you kind of did with uh Vader and Palpatine i don't know yeah i mean even them like you know it, it was a little hit and miss like I, I still really like the end of Rogue One where Vader just like went nutso and started killing people because that was just like, there's the real bad guy that I would be terrified of. Like in some of these other ones, you don't really see somebody just like losing it and just like going off the deep end, killing people in a way that says like, there's something terribly imbalanced about this person. And the fact that they have so much power is a very bad thing for our world here. Um, but, you know, you don't really get a lot of that. You get you get slapstick slap sticky hooks and uh ren but i mean that's that's the storyline we're we're telling right now so whatever mm-hmm. anyway i do i did like the movie i thought it was a a decent continuation from the force awakens and i look forward to the next one uh do we have to wait another two years to, to see nine yeah and <sighs> in may you're going to get a uh, solo a star wars story do they not have one for uh, December next year? No, because the they the only reason why we got uh, these in December was because they kept pushing them back. Uh, the Force Awakens was re- originally supposed to be a, a May release as well, but mm. they pushed it back to December. And then uh, Rogue One was supposed to be a May release, and then they had some problems. <laughs> and they uh, they pushed that one back to December as well because they had also been very successful with uh the release of the force awakens so they thought that would be a good timing uh a good time to release something and then for this one again uh they thought it would be a good time to release it in december and and give them the extra time and so they did uh but for for solo a star wars story apparently they're on track for may so uh we'll be talking about star wars again sooner rather than later and then there'll be an even longer gap between uh that and uh the next star wars Film. Yeah, I just see it right here in my Wikipedia. December 20th, 2019. It's crazy. Oh, it's a long way away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very complicated movie to make, I'm sure. Yes, especially when you fire your directors. Um, but uh, but it's surprising to me that that did not result in Solo, A Star Wars Story being pushed I mean, back to December. It's probably smart that they see how this one went before they start shooting the next one. But Mm-hmm. Instead of going all back to the future two and three on everybody. Well, I mean, I, I think that they are also experiencing that delay from resetting from Colin Trevorrow. <laughs> it's an okay delay. It's fine. Yeah, no, but <laughs> take your time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder what impact it's going to ultimately wind up having because theoretically Colin Trevorrow could have been working on this since he was hired. Um, basically that was right after Jurassic world was released. It was announced that he was going to be working on it um, f- through the great vine of uh, rumor stories that appeared in uh, articles and stuff. It seemed like he uh, was not as cooperative with the story group or caring as much. And Ryan Johnson was maybe helping out a little bit, a little on, on episode nine, but now that JJ's there, like, who's going to be doing it i don't know and how are they going to handle the handoff between uh ryan and jj and ryan again i don't know we'll see mm. we can talk about uh colin trevorrow in the after show because 
I don't know about you, but the the trailers before this movie were very very bad, especially oh. there's one especially that one. There's one Colin Trevorrow uh, shot in this film. One well, one shot that made me think of Colin Trevorrow. You know what that was? Uh, was it the flying over the Monte Carlo city? No, it was the upshot of the iron coming down, uh, like the the bird foot in uh in Jurassic World. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, also the upshot of uh, Luke doing his pole vault over the cliff thing, which was very peculiar. Yeah, I don't know why that needed to be in there. Just want to, you want to show that he's spry? Like, I, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> just have him walk there. Um, it just <laughs> seems like it was there to make it more difficult for Ray to follow along, and so she'd have to really care, um, I guess. He's been on that island for a very long time, so he, he, he's got his methodologies down. Yeah, and he, he killed that, that fish. Yeah, very large fish, mm-hmm. very ugly fish. Uh, but that that was that was that. Uh, any any final th- thoughts? No, it's Star Wars. <laughs> yes, it is a Star Wars. Keep fighting them wars in the star. Mm-hmm. Yep. And good wor- good work, everyone involved who made the movie. It was a very well made movie. Yeah, except for all the things that we said. No, that's that's story <laughs> stuff. That's not like. <laughs> It's not like the the dolly grip fell down in the middle of a shot or something like. Right. Yes. It was a well made movie. Yes. Anyway. Ta da! Ta da! That's that's usually your line. <laughs> well, thanks for taking my line, jerk. <laughs> oh, it's the new generation. I'm allowed to. 